Family life is a, is a chance for us to get together, and most church members get quite a bit of teaching during the week with, um, of course, the, the main service afterwards with the preaching and time here. So family life is designed with the desire to, around, around the Word, around teaching, to also fellowship and get to know each other better and to have a... So you, when you come to class, when you come to this time anyway... The chance to share together what you're going through the past week, share around the word, and getting your feedback. So it is a time where hopefully we have some some interaction and a chance to uh, engage in the word together, engage in life together. You know, we're all facing life in the same way, and we've all been facing these last six months in different ways. And we'll maybe share some of that with you this morning. And so, um, just a chance to to get together. I really, honestly, uh, I invest in three areas in, in ministry. One, I oversee the school. Uh, two, I oversee the missions program, and the reason why I, I agreed to work over family life is just a desire to, to interact with families. Glenn, sorry. Glenn, you didn't have your ticket. <laughs> <laughs> hey, there's two seats over front, just for right you. Right down front. No, you can move those chairs. You can move those chairs. Sure, So this morning, getting one, getting caught up a little bit on on where everybody's been these past uh, past six months. I've seen a few of you in and out of different services, but with different services, eight thirty, ten thirty. Some of you are here and there, and we, we get a, a glimpse of you, but uh, haven't had a chance to, to engage and interact with with most of you. So I'm gonna get caught up a little bit this morning and see how everybody's doing. Share some thoughts around the word and encouraging us in the word as well. Pretty, pretty crazy times we live in, I know. Uh, if we didn't think that the political climate could have gotten any worse, it just did with, uh, with the loss of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And what came to mind when they were with her ongoing and was, they, I, I saw an interview where she talked about how many opinions that she's written. And the only thing that came to mind to me at that time is She's now facing a higher court whose only opinion matters. And you could be in that position for so long, and you're writing all these opinions, and you think that you've you got all this power, and, and that court does. This is the way we've designed our government here. That court has probably more power today than it was designed to have because it legislates from the bench. But nevertheless, a court that has all this power and authority, and she's writes these opinions all these years, all these cases, and, and, and deciding for this country where, where they go culturally, socially, what's acceptable, what's not. And now she's faced before the higher court, whose really only opinion matters. And really, in, in, in all of us, and the only opinion that does matter is, is God's opinion and his view on things. not my feelings about things, not how I perceive things, but only what God says to be true is true, and so um, I think I'm going to turn the news off for the next two months now, and not hear all the fiery details of what's going on. But praying, praying for that. If you go to actually to the church website, you know there's a link to register to vote if you haven't done that. So um, I do think that's part of our our duties in a way in that regard. So prayer quest. I mean, we, two things. Come back to to the purpose where we meet. Obviously, I always have the lesson ready, ready to go. There's been times where the request time took a little bit longer because there's something going on that we need to address and we want to be able to share, we want to be able to pray together. So 
I, I don't come in here with a mandate. I've got to hardly get through my lesson. Again, you, you get plenty of teaching. Teaching is only one facet of church. You don't experience church as it was designed to be experienced if all you do is come to church and receive a sermon. If you go through the Word and you see church life described, it's not all about, oh, we all came to listen to a sermon. It's life on life. It's praying together. It's living together. It's sharing together. It's encouraging. It's, it's all these pieces. And there's a teaching. And there's the exhorting. So you can't experience church just by coming through, uh, <clears throat> through, through uh, one service and just receiving something. Church has lived here and shoulder to shoulder and sharing each other's burden, joys, and experiences, and growing together. So that's the, that's the joy. Jane and I can remember to this day some of our best friends that we stay, still stay in touch with were couples that we met in Sunday school class here in 1991 to 1994 before we started hitting the road to raise support before we went to France. There's a couple in Atlanta, a couple in Maine. I mean, these are families that we grew up with in our family life, it wasn't called family life at the time, but uh, Sunday school class, and so that's the blessing of, of growing together in this way, so let's maybe start and open up, I'm going to open with a prayer, and then perhaps take prayer requests, and just a time to share a little bit what uh, God's been doing in your life the past six months, and then we'll, we'll go to the Word. Father, we, we commit this time to you, what a blessing it is to, to be gathered once more in this way, Lord, we, we miss the fellowship, we we thank you for the ability through technology to, to be able to hear the word, to be able to talk the word, to, to where the gospel is communicated. But Lord, what we, we've been missing is the ability to, to see each other and encourage each other and just the blessing of a fellowship, Lord, that was designed for your body. There's a reason why the church is a, a visible gathering of believers, and you've designed it and purposed it that way. So we just commit that to you. Well, these past six months have been certainly uh, has a... Sh- load of difficulties and trials and, and uh, things to overcome, but I thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness through it all. Help us, Lord, know, to know how to navigate through these things together, and to, Lord, just turn to your word and trust you in all things, Lord. So we commit this time to you, in your name we pray, amen. So I want you guys to get me caught up a little bit, get us caught up a little bit on uh, what the Lord's been doing in your life past past couple months, and any prayer requests you want to share with us, be, be, Glad to, there's a few new people that can maybe, if you're new, introduce yourself a little bit. I'm going to introduce a couple here because they're, I've been working with them for a while. Mark and Carla work at the school. Carla oversees a pre-K, uh, and uh, so she knows everything about three- and four-year-olds. So she's got three- and four-year-olds. <laughs> uh, now, sometimes the only time I help her in pre-K is when I get a word, we've got a runner. <laughs> there's one four-year-old boy I mean he's, he's this tall and he's a big boy and when he runs she can't tackle him so like, I, I go in there and help out with that so, uh, and Mark uh, works at the school driver's ed teaches there as well so just a blessing to have them as a family Scott is also a school family that's where we initially met at the school as well so a blessing to, to have them here so prayer quest. I'll just start. It's um, got a lot of coworkers here. It's been a blessing. One month at school started under very stressful conditions, obviously with um, certain like lunch bird not going to school. Or other Teachers used to online. pray for snow days. Now they pray for COVID days. I mean, <laughs> you know, so you know, we got them. 
So it's been a month, and our school has done really well, and we got a lot of just positive feedback from parents who are very thankful that um, their children can go to school, and teachers that are thankful that they're teaching in a classroom, even if we're up at the front, behind a line, that we're not allowed to cross um, due to social distancing. But um, it's, it's, it's been a blessing. And There's the magical encouraged. line where COVID stops yeah. at that yellow tape. <laughs> you don't have plexiglass across there. Yeah, we stepped no. across the line. We messed up. We messed up. Yeah, we stepped across. I'm thinking you've plexiglass across. There, the there's plexiglass on a lot of desks in certain. So areas. now I have this new thing around the house. Jane, you cross the line. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Put a mask on. <laughs> Keep your space. Keep your distance. Uh, just briefly about her, her mother. Her mother. Went in the hospital, I think, in July. July? July 31st. Had an infection, came out, but she's really been bedridden now for, she hasn't gotten out of bed for about five weeks now. So, yeah, the blessing, we are thankful. My mom was 92, and she was in the hospital for two weeks. And, you know, under COVID conditions with no ability to visit her, hard of hearing, it basically got to the point where they're saying, you know, she's not eating anymore. And so, basically, the doctor, I thought, okay, so she's coming home to pass away. So we asked that she be discharged so she could pass away at home, thinking that's what was going to happen. Five weeks, however many weeks later this is, four or five weeks later, um, she's still with us, and, um, but she is bedridden. So I thank you for everybody's prayers during that time. She is considered under hospice, but um, she's eating three full meals a day and um, enjoying various things in life. So we're thankful. But it's challenging, if you can imagine, taking care of somebody who's bedridden and all that that entails. So I appreciate your prayers all during that time and continue. Thank you. The Lord blesses with a helper that comes in. Mm-hmm. She's a uh, Korean student, last year of nursing at Lynchburg College. Her father's a pastor mm-hmm. in Korea, mm-hmm. and she's been really a blessing. God just provide the right person to come in mm-hmm. and uh, help every every morning with her. So, yeah. Holly. He's two or how two. No, two, yeah. Two year old fell down the stairs. Yeah. Uh, had a, uh, a friend of ours that um, been for about four years, and about a year after we knew him, he just turned and walked away from uh, from church and Lord, and really living for himself for the last three years, uh, and has now turned come back um, and is really seeking God uh, again. We just ask for your your prayers for him that he would uh, Lord would continue to work work on him that uh, uh, our ministry to him uh, would be helpful glorifying God and, and just that he continue to turn him and, and pull him back towards him. So. What's his name? Steve. Steve. I'll try to get some of these back out emails later as well. So. Blessings, prayer requests. We take blessings too. 
this. Um, yeah. Just to praise my um, breast biopsy came back and it was benign fibrocystic changes. So I'll just go in every six months so they can monitor that. Amen. Oh, it's big. <laughs> oh, it's big sign of relief. Yeah. Sign of relief, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. I, I've been blessed to have my friend Jane from Florida for the last couple of weeks, and she'll be leaving Friday. Um, and also, my my cousin called yesterday, and she has breast breast cancer and surgery on Tuesday, and still struggling with some other health issues too that are totally not the same. So she just really needs God's strength and um, protection. Thank you. What else? Blessing request. Well, blessing. We two weeks ago, Noah got married. That's so, a blessing. Yep. So it all went well. We were all obviously worried with that, with all the COVID stuff, but um, had beautiful. Of course, the hurricane came in that time too, so we were worried about that. But wow. more about had, the weather than the COVID. Yeah. So uh, weather turned out great. Nice. Uh, great ceremony. So yeah. Cool Sun blessing. came out. He'll, he'll remember that when you know hurricane and. Yep. COVID. Yeah. yeah, it was a real blessing. Great, 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 great time. All right, let's go ahead and pray. Father, we just commit this request to you. We first uh, could, uh, bring before you little Edmund, who just uh, fell down the stairs, and just this little boy that you would uh, allow if there's any, any issues the doctors would find that quickly. Uh, we pray for, first of all, the blessing, Lord, of apparently uh, finding out the, the, the good report of uh, this. Um, of not having cancer, Lord, but then also Teresa's friend with cancer. And so I just pray that you might uh, bring your hand up the blessing there as well. Thank you for uh, marriage, Lord, what a beautiful institution it is. And I pray for, for Noah now and his bride-to-be, for uh, just a, a Christ-centered wedding and, and, and marriage, Lord, that you just bless him in that. And we just commit this time to you, Lord, in the name of praying. Amen. Let me ask you to turn to a familiar passage in James chapter 1. Uh, for the first, before we go back into a, maybe I don't know, I've been talking to Mark Hager about this, do I go back to our, we, we left off, you know, in Colossians, but we kind of left off in the middle of Colossians, we go back there, but really I want to have a, a couple of weeks to see how things, things settle a little bit with the class, and who's able to come, and what do we do about all that, and um, taking a familiar passage in, in James chapter 1, verses 2 through verses 8, he's going to talk about, the, you know, we we know chapter, I mean, um, verse 2, well, he says, count all joy when you fall into various temptations, or various trials, or various testings, depending on the translation you have. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. So he's going to go through a certain series of things here. And I want to ask just this question for us today, you know, why do I have to gain, why do I have to gain from trials? Why do I have to gain from, from trials? Now, the word trial is... Some of your translations, as I just mentioned, is going to have temptation. The word is is a word testing, and there's a there's already a difference there in understanding. If we take a word and you take the word to understand to be a trial, a trial, then you understand the word to be a testing. There there's a difference in our in our perception of what that means as we're as we're facing things. So, um, what what would you say is the difference between in your understanding of these words? If someone says you're going through a trial versus you're going through a testing, what's what's the difference between those two words? What's the nuance there? Testing is kind of 
Yeah. Yeah, ask college students what testing means, right? It's like testing implies that there's a, uh, an expectation uh, on the back end of it, and you're, you're being tested for something. You're, uh, and there's a, there's a result to be observed, I guess, afterwards or something to be learned in the process. You want to do well using all the tests. Most, most students. Most students. <laughs> I have heard from seniors, C's get degrees. I get that. <laughs> they, uh, it comes to the point where you're just done with the uh, class and you're ready to move on. It's too early for that. So then, uh, you're a freshman; you can't start thinking that way yet. So, what are some of the what are some of the testings that you've gone through in these past past six months? Uh, maybe you haven't gone through any. I've gone through a few <laughs> in my own mind and heart. Right? What are some of the testings you've gone through these past six months? Masks. Mask. <laughs> Mask is a Now, I know some, I won't name them, but, you know, they carry a cup in their hand at all times. That's their exemption to the mask, you know, so I, I know some work that way. But um, being, being, being told what to do and being forced to do something you don't want to do, that's uncomfortable and wearing, wearing a mask. Anything else? What else? What what kind of trials have you intestines have you faced this past past six months? Great example. Mm-hmm. Being content with uh, not meeting together and just missing everybody. Being content. Being content because doing things you normally were doing you can no longer do. I mean, how many vacations were messed up? How many weddings were disturbed? How many? Mm-hmm. Just think of those who were facing someone in, in the hospital. Um, Chris Thomas, one of our teachers, his, his wife miscarried this past week. When they went to the hospital early, like on Tuesday, when she had cramping, went to the emergency room at 10.30 at night, he has to wait and spend the night in the car because he can't go in. I mean, yeah, in your heart, that could stir a few things in your heart, and there could be some, no doubt, some trials and testing in their own hearts and how to respond to that for sure. Craig, yours? Yeah, I think uh, my work, uh, a lot of changes... Um, a lot of reactionary changes that I maybe didn't, didn't disagree or didn't agree with, mm-hmm. and in my response, uh, I, I felt very tested in, in that way. That where I was trying to continually trying to get myself out of the way uh, and respond in a, in a proper manner, uh, not not always successfully. <laughs> but uh, well, it's we'll see some of it here. It's, it's a it's a continual work. Sometimes we get frustrated with. The fact that we haven't we haven't arrived, but the reality is that it's that continued process that we're that we're a part of, and that we have to keep that heart in check and keep those emotions in check. So frustrations, uh, things that are not in our control. I I might just be only me, but I do like to control my environment. Mm-hmm. And in this situation, I mean, times I've heard people say, "I have my own heart." I say, "Man, when can we go back to normal?" But normal means. Going back the way I, I, I want things, going back to doing the things I want to do, going where I want to go. Uh, and right now I'm looking at, you know, I can't, I would normally go fly, go to France and teach in January, and they're locking down more right now. They might require a health card. I'm thinking there's no way I'm getting a vaccine. Well, what if you can't fly without a vaccine? I'm thinking, okay, now I might, I might get a vaccine after all if I can't, if I can't do what I, the ministry I want to do. So, I mean, all, and every one of those things, my heart 
is challenged, and there, there's a testing on how I respond to these. And he, he gives some just really, obviously, works through some things for us here in James. And I've got five, five things that I've got to gain, five things that I've got to gain through these testings and through these trials. And they're very basic things, and you're familiar with them. But let me go back through them and read verse 2 through verse 8 and begin there. And then we'll go to our first, our first point. He says, My brethren, then count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach. And it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that uh, man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his way. The first, the first thing we have to gain in our trials and testing is, is joy. Now, the word is almost always counterintuitive to what man would expect. We live in a generation of young people that depression, discouragement, uh, suicide, those kind of thoughts are, are, are common, and it's not unusual for someone to, to limit how depressed they are. And they're going to always link it to something they've experienced, something that, uh, that some expectation that's been unfulfilled in their life. But he says, when he says, brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various temptations, first we notice the causality between joy and trials. He doesn't say, you know, be joyful in spite of this. Well, I know this is bad, but boy, just be joyful anyway. I mean, he really links the trials to the anticipation and the rejoicing because of what he's going to gain through those trials. And so, first I noticed the, the causality between joy and trials and the, uh, the fact that we've got something to, to gain and something to rejoice in. And he doesn't say, to, I'm rolling down my notes here, to remain joyful in spite of trials, but to count, the word is like to count and to esteem and to consider. In other words, when you go through trials, <coughs> to count it or to consider and to esteem these trials, to count them, uh, count them all joy uh, when you fall to various tri trials. Testings are an opportunity for joy. I mean, I tell you what, if you tell that to the world, it'd be like, I mean, that's the upside down thinking, upside down reasoning. And he's going to walk through some of these things and why this is the case. But we can, as we go through our trials, learn that these trials produce joy in our hearts. And he's going to explain why as we gain understanding of what God is going or what God is doing through this. Second thing I put down, notice the complete and full nature of joy. It's all-encompassing. It can only be so if it is not circumstantial but is rooted in truth. Meaning the, the joy that is described is all joy, is complete... Well, I think I got one more, don't I? There you go. Uh, it is it is complete in nature. So first of all, there's causality between joy and trials. It's not joy in spite of trials. It's not, boy, I know this is going terrible, but boy, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna you know be positive and think positively. We're gonna get through this. Is actually rejoicing linked to the testing itself, and that's why the, the idea of testing is better understood because when you're being tested. There's is an opportunity for your faith to be tested and for you to grow and rejoice in that as well. And to be counted, Paul will describe this, right? To be counted worthy of being tested. 
I mean, you're counted worthy of, of going through this trial so that you can respond in such a fashion that glorifies and, and magnifies, the, magnifies the Lord. So testings are an opportunity for joy. And how counter do I put that in notes? And then the second thing, the complete and full nature of it. It's all-encompassing, and it can only be all-encompassing if it's why, if it's linked to truth. It's not circumstantially based. So, yeah, if, you, if, you're, if we're living in society as it is now, and we look at circumstances, circumstances give us plenty of reasons to, to be frustrated. Circumstances give us plenty of reasons to, to be, be, even be discouraged. I mean, it drives me – it's so frustrating at the school that to function normally. I mean – Phys- try to physical distance teenagers, you know. So you put these fictitious dividers. You put these little dividers between, on these desks, right, to, so that they don't have, you know, so COVID stays on one side and, and it stays on the other. What do kids do? Hey, man, how you doing? How was your day? You know, everybody talks around. It's like uh, trying to keep kids away, you know, they're invincible in a way, right? So they try to keep them distance. It's just, it, it's so difficult. You go through school life. And you think about how can I do the Christmas play? How can I do the fall bazaar for the pre-K? How can we do the play next year? And you're going through all these things, and it's just all these hurdles. And you want to just say, okay, we're done with this. Here's a trash can. We're throwing a mask away. We're going back to life as normal, and it's just not possible yet. And all this, all this builds up because my circumstances are, are dictating how I, I respond. And the complete nature, so there's just two parts of it. It's not, it's not a half dose of joy. It's a complete fullness of joy in anticipation of that testing. So to, and he'll, he'll, again, he walks through these different points and helps us understand this. So how, all the fears for my, in my own life, I mean, that, the fears I faced were fears of, you know, what if you can't open school? I mean, in my mind, I start, you know, I'm a planner. I want to control my circumstances. And think, what, what if I can't open school? Why does the governor comes out with another degree? You know, another letter saying, okay, schools can't open this fall. Okay, well, there goes 90% of my student body, parents saying, there's no way I'm paying for tuition if I can't come to school. There goes my staff. There goes, I mean, lay off everybody. What do you do? I mean, you're going through all these scenarios because you're trying to anticipate. And in the midst of that, if you're not careful, you let circumstances, just as you described them at the end here, just rock you around. You're, you're being tossed around. And it's very easy, even now, to be just tossed around by so many different things. And then, in my personal reading time, I was going back to, to reading some of Isaiah. And, and this is where I, 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 I gather and I recapture the understanding that, in my circumstances, God has not changed. Nothing about God has changed these last six months. Nothing about who He is. Nothing about what He's capable of doing. Nothing about his plans for us. Nothing about his desires for us. Nothing about his mercy, grace. Nothing has changed about God. The only thing that's changed is me and my responses to my surroundings. But God has not wavered one iota as to who he is. So I was reading and recapturing some of that in, in Isaiah 40. And what you do is when you regather a different perspective on things, I'm just going to read some of these verses here. And I was reading through this, and, and almost instantaneously as you're reading through this, every other circumstance seems so minute, so insignificant. So let me just read these verses I've listed here. Isaiah 40, verse 7. It says, All flesh is grass, and all of it is loveliness. It's like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, because the breath of the Lord blows upon it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God 
stands forever. Verse 12, who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand? The picture that he, the word pictures we have here, holds, it just shows the, the good French word is the petitesse, which means the smallness of something you know, that holds the water in the hollow of his hand, measured heaven with a span, and calculated the dust of the earth in a measure. He goes on to say, he weighed the mountains in scales and the hills in the balance. Behold, the nations are but as a drop in a bucket and are counted as a small dust on the scales. Verse 25, to whom will you liken me? Or to whom shall I be equal, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes on high and see who has created these things, who brings out their host by number. He calls them out by name. He's talking about the host of the heavens. He calls them out by name. He knows the host. I mean, he, he sees the, the beauty of creation and he names all the stars in the heavens. He holds the water in his hands. He knows the dust and he has it on a scale. He just has all this measured. And whenever I run into a situation where I won't wrap my arms around the problem, here we see God wraps his arms around humanity. And they're never out of his reach. They're never out of his control. And he's described in such a way that there's no, there's no even question of that. He says he brings out their host by number. He calls them all out by name. By the greatness of his might and the strength of his power, no one is missing. Not one is missing. Not one is not known to him. Have you not known, verse 28, the last one here, have you not known, have you not heard, the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, never faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak, and to those who have no might, he increases strength. I mean, I read back through, and Isaiah 40 is where he ends by saying, he mounts up with me as an eagle. Isaiah 40, I was reading through that and said, wow. I mean, everything else just pales in comparison to who he is and his ability to have just the world in his hands. And I, we can literally gain, we have, we have joy to gain in our trials. Second thing we have to gain is pretty clear from the text as well here. The second thing he mentions, knowing that the testing of your faith what produces patience. We all love patience. We're all good at it. And we all go in a grocery store. We want that line with 10 people waiting. We don't go to the one we just walk up. You know, we don't, we don't mind waiting, right? No, we don't like waiting. I, down at Ward's Road with Jane yesterday, dropping off something, we decided we're going to pull into Chick-fil-A, grab a, a coffee, those coffee drinks, right? The line was out in the Ward's Road. He said, no, we're not waiting for that, you know. Well, it is good, but not, not that good. You know, so we... There are some things that only trials and testing can, can bring, and that's learning patience. And patience has, to, has... There's two aspects of patience. One, it teaches dying to self. I mean, there's nothing like patience to teach me, okay, I, I can't. I can't do it. It's out of my control. It's out of my hands. But without the testing that produces patience, I, don't, I can't learn that. I don't learn that. I mean, if you were, to, if you were to, to experience life, I'm sure you could give plenty of examples in situations where you got impatient. And if you walk into, I'm going to the airport once, and we get off the plane checking out customs. The line was like a mile long. It took us literally like an hour and 20 minutes to get through it. I don't know what's going on. They were on strike or whatever. Next time you get there, there's five people in line. You're like, yes! Good timing. Why? Because that other experience, 
taught me patience, and it helped me appreciate when I didn't have to wait an hour and a half in line. But without that first experience, the second one didn't mean anything. So there, there are, there's so much to gain in, in patience as we walk through life that God makes me wait on Him. And the waiting on Him is automatically a dying to self. A letting go of something. Saying, okay, Lord, it's gonna, I'm going to have to let, let, let you have that one. And there's always, that, there's always that point where we kind of let go of something, right? In other words, we're all at that point where we're in charge, we're, we're doing what we've got to do because we're, we're called to work and we're faithful at it. And then, then it comes a point where, okay, well, I, I, I can't anymore. And that could be sometimes with a loved one where you, you actually realize that the end is there and you kind of you rest in God. Because for, for the longest time you're going, to the, you're going to the doctor, you're praying, Lord, for a miracle, Lord, for this, but then you... Then you cross that point and realize, okay, Lord, this, this, is, this is the end, and I, I commit that person to you. Or, or a child, a loved one, a, loved, a child that you love, and you see them rebelling, you see them kind of running, you're like, Lord, and you pray fervently, and there comes a point where you say, Lord, I mean, that child's in your hands. But I, can't, I can't convince them, I can't turn their heart around, and, 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 you, and you give it up. And you, and you die to self, you give up those expectations, you give up those desires, and you place them at the foot of the cross, you place them at the foot of Christ, and instantaneously you have that relief. I experience that all the time in, in, in a work setting because I, I want to control circumstances. So I, I work hard. I get things to, to prevent this and this and that. But at some point, I realize, okay, this is, this is it. I, I can't do anything else here. And that moment is a moment of relief. It's like, okay, Lord, that, that person's yours. That situation is yours. It's out of my hands. I can't do anything else about it. But without the trials and the testing that produces that patience that, that pushes me, that forces me to step aside and uh, let the Lord, and that put down by waiting on the Lord, prayerfully waiting on the Lord, draws us to Him. My faith grows in that I have to lean on which I cannot see. I'm sure uh, you can testify to that as well, how the Lord taught you that experience in, in patience, forcing you to wait on, on something, and in doing so, have to give up your right to an answer. Have to give up your right to control something. Have to give up your right to uh, what you thought was the, that expectation and give that over to, to the Lord. Again, maturity. I'm going to try, it's going on 10. I know there's, we need a little more time break between the two, so we'll, we'll probably try to end it like a 10-10, something like that, give us room to get over there and balance a certain coffee, so... If you haven't been to go get our cup of coffee for the next service. I gain maturity. Let patience have its perfect work. That what? That you may be per- perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So that testing, that produces joy, that's just not, it's not joy in spite of it. That, that, that testing that produces complete fullness of joy, seeing myself worthy of not just being tested, but trusting the Lord in that. And then producing patience where you die to self and give things up and you give it over to the Lord and then you gain what? Maturity through that process. Testing produces patience which in turn makes me more, more complete. We, we understand this around the word and talk about being perfect and talk about being complete. We're being perfected in these trials. We, we've got maturity to gain and that's why when, when a young person has an experience of things we as adults are thinking well, it, it'll be alright. We've been there. Oh, my, my boss, I told him I didn't want to work that many hours. I told him, it'll be okay. You'll, you'll, you'll live a few more of those. And uh, as, as a young person, because they don't have that experience, they haven't gone through the testing yet. 
And they haven't developed through that testing the maturity that we have because we've been tested a few times. And if you're, if you're 51 like me, you've been tested quite a few times and you, and you gain in faith. If you, if you, the beauty of it here, and we're not going to have maybe a chance to go all the, way, all the way to it, is that what you're lacking in our testing is what he says next, is wisdom and understanding. And that's, that's, that's where it hits the nerve right there. In other words, when you gain maturity through our testing, it produces maturity as it produces patience, which in turn makes me more complete. And then he says, what? So I'm lacking, basically I'm lacking maturity without testing. I think everyone of us with children, as we pray for our children, as they grow in the Lord, one of the, one of the, one of the things that we know, and I, I saw this in ministry when a, when a person would come to know the Lord, they would profess Christ. And we're, I mean, yes, I want to trust Christ. And you're excited for him. But you know, you, you know in the back of your mind there's one reality. We're really going to know if that faith is going to stand up to trials and testing in the next year or two or three. Many people on the front end claim Christ, but through the testing prove that they were not leaning on Christ and that really trusting Christ and their faith that proved to be vain. So that even as, as a child, as they grow, we know that they have to be tested so that we can see what that faith is made of. And unfortunately, as parents... We want to do what with our kids? We want to protect them from. We want to protect them from trials. So we, we play interference for them. We, we step inside, oh, I'll, t- I'll take care of it. And sometimes it's, very, it's in very small things. We came, we came back one day and, uh, from visiting a friend who lived on a farm. And when, when we came home, John Mark was bawling his eyes out. I shared this with you before, but why? He's bawling his eyes out because he had taken an egg. From that one chicken that the little farmer had. He had an egg in his pocket. He knew he shouldn't have taken it. So, uh, what do you do? I, I could say, John Mark, that's no big deal. Listen, we'll, t- we'll take care of this. No, we took him back to the farmer. And we, we talked to John Mark about it. And he's, I forget how old he was, but he was obviously very young. Went back to the farmer, and he. Apologize to the farmer. I told him sorry for taking the egg. Why? Because he, is it uncomfortable? Yes, it made him uncomfortable. Could I have played interference for him? Yes, I could have played interference. Would it have been good for him? No, absolutely not. The farmer said he forgave him, and the chicken forgave him. <laughs> <laughs> so just sometimes as parents, we try to protect our kids from testing, and we're keeping them from maturing in the process. Let them, let them grow. Let them discover what it means to, you know. And today, yes, they want answers right away. They want results right away. They want to know. I mean, Emily can ask me a question later that day. Have, have, you, have you called so-and-so? Yes. It's, no. I mean, that's like a three-day project for me. That's not like a three-hour project. You know, she comes back a little later. Have you called them? No. It'll be okay. And so... Let, let God work through the lives of your children as well in that testing. And then he walks through this, so te- produces patience, turns, makes it more complete. And I, I'm lacking something. I'm lacking that maturity, that stability without that testing. And then here is where I, I love the, the next one here, that how they, they grow in this. We have um, wisdom to gain. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, of God who gives to all liberally. We... The lacking that he describes. See, when he talks about in verse in verse four, 
patience have its perfect work, they may be perfect, complete, lacking nothing. But if you lack, you lack what? The, the lacking I have in verse 4 is not lacking of, of better answers to my problems. The lacking I have is better understanding what God's doing through my problems. The lacking that I have is not that God provides me with a better job, better opportunity, better this or unlocks this problem. The lacking he describes because he follows up in verse 5, and if any of you lack, lacks what? Lacks wisdom. If any of you lacks wisdom, this lacking refers to, wait, that it refers to here is that which is revealed in trials. The lacking we have is therefore what? The lacking we have is wisdom and understanding. What you and I lack in our trials, in our testings, is the wisdom and understanding to know what God is doing and what God's accomplishing and God's purposes in it. That's what we lack. So when we pray through our testing, we pray for our, God, give me better understanding as to what you want me to do here and how you want me to respond to, to this. What we lack is not circumstantial because we lack nothing in Christ. Truth is, is, is revealed in testing. So we lack nothing. We don't lack anything from a circumstantial point of view. What we lack is understanding and wisdom through that process. So what I've got to gain, I've got to gain maturity through testing, and I've got to gain wisdom through testing. I gain understanding through testing. I begin to understand who God is. I understand how he, He's there to glorify Himself and how He does that through my life. And I, I gain understanding in that. We are, we, what we lack is wisdom. He says we're given wisdom two ways. One, liberally, which means generously. And then is, is the beautiful picture here. He adds just as for us, right? He gives what? Without reproach. He gives without reproach. Meaning what? what why does he say without reproach? He's not going to rebuke it. He's not saying, oh man, Craig, you should know better by now. I mean, you, should, you know. No, he wants you to come to him in your testing. He wants you to gain joy. He wants you to gain patience. He wants you to gain uh, maturity in this process. He wants you to gain wisdom in it. So he doesn't, he's going to give fully, completely, generously, and without reproach. Because I know my own lacking. I know my, my own shortcomings. And he's fully desirous of helping us understand and provide discernment in, in our testing. I want to finish this sentence. <clears throat> I'm not going to come back on it next week, but I gain confidence. So at the end of this testing process, I come out on the other end having gained confidence. Isn't it beautiful when we testify to, to God's goodness in our lives, we, we, we gain confidence? Boy, God... Here's where I was in this testing, and, and on the other end, God blessed, and here's how he, he took care of us. It doesn't mean that he provided wealth or a new job, but he gave me peace through it. He gave me understanding and my response to it. And in the midst of that, I, I gained confidence. As we seek him and we seek his understanding, our faith grows, our eyes are fixated on the evidence of things not seen, and I have a better, we're more and more fixated on him. And faith being the evidence of things unseen is what we gain strength and confidence in. The reason why Jane and I, after years of ministry, can in some areas be so confident in the Lord because we've just seen Him over and over 
provide understanding through those kind of testing. Now, there's other areas that we're less familiar with that that testing has not been, you know, we've never had some serious health issues. So if that were the case someday, that's going to be no testing because I haven't had that. But when that comes that day, then that's going to be a new area where God's going to give me patience, He's going to give me maturity, and then He'll give me confidence. Confidence that He's going to heal me? No. Confidence that I can rest in Him regardless and to trust Him through the process regardless. As we seek his understanding, the less tossing around we do. I love the picture he gives here, right? The, the tossing around. Uh, many people that are, that are tossed around, are, we're tossed around because we're, we're trying to hang on to the wrong things. We've, 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 we're attached to the wrong things. We're attached to things that, that bounce around. And we have to keep up, continually keep our heart in check. <clears throat> in check. But this understanding and less tossing around we will do, the more anchored we will be, and it has nothing to do with our circumstances. It all has to do with understanding who he is and what he's doing and what he's accomplishing. The last thing I put down here, there is no such thing as a half measure of confidence. It's not this, well, I, you know, I'm on the, uh, do, can I or can I not? Or there's, there's only a full measure of confidence. You can't have a half measure of confidence. Either you're confident or you're not. He provides this full measure of confidence that is to gain. He ends up here in verse 7 and 8. Let not, <clears throat> for let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. In other words, that man who's not, you know, you're, you're this double-minded man. You're not complete and fully committed to him. You're kind of straggling there between the two. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. So, I don't know what you've had to gain these past six months. I know one thing, uh, some things I've achieved, some things I feel like, wow, I'm, I'm stronger for it. But most of the time, you know, these things we have to gain, we only have to gain in hindsight. No one really has a sense of gain when they're in the middle of the battle. In the middle of the battle, you're still not sure of the outcome. Nobody in the middle of the battle thinking, oh, we've got this. You're always thinking, what ifs? It's only on the back end of the battle that you look back in hindsight and see, wow. Look how I've gained wisdom, how God showed me, and how I've gained confidence. You walk away back on the other end of it, trusting the Lord, thinking, wow, Lord, you're, you're good. You're great. You're amazing. You're almighty God. And uh, that's, that's the beauty of testing. So I could only speak to my own heart as to, as to what the Lord has been doing in my own heart and, and uh, have I achieved these things in some areas. We've been tested so many times in some areas that... that we're not, we're not rattled by it when we see it again, but other areas, we're not, we're not as experienced in, and God brings new testings in our lives. And we learn that maturity process, and we grow, and we gain. And in the midst of that, uh, rediscover God in, in, in a greater way and strengthen our, our, our faith in, in, in the process. So, Anybody want to share perhaps how, maybe we've got a minute here. we got three minutes. Anybody want to share an experience where God's taught you through... Testing and lesson learned on the other end of this. How? I definitely all agree with what you're saying. This whole thing, I mean, in the beginning, I really did get my eyes off the board. I was reading so many news articles and really filled with fear. And the Lord worked in my heart to realize you take your eyes off of me, I'm still. Over this, and COVID did not take me by surprise, and just really 
Peter walking on water, I was watching the waves, and I wasn't focusing on Christ. And through that, he's reminded me that he's in control. Amen. It's amazing, you know, you quit reading the news and all of a sudden you feel a lot better. <laughs> so the world falls apart every time I turn the news on. So everything's fine when I don't watch the news. Everything's going fine in the world. But since I turn the news on, everything's falling apart again. Uh, definitely. And, and they know they feed on what's natural to man. We, we naturally fear, and, and they feed on to that. So. Well, thank you so much. Good to see everyone again. Good to see your families. Please feel absolutely free to bring your, your, your kids with you. And as things evolve and progress, we'll try to find uh, ministries. We'll, we'll open up for, for children's ministries and so forth, and we'll, we'll keep you posted and all that. We have the uh, Family Life um, Facebook where I might put posts there, a video there, an announcement there. I might just send it by mass email. But if you're not connected to those, you need to get with us and, and help us with that. Mark, would you mind closing us in a word of prayer, please?